This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Hi, this is Roderick Ruth, the man that can't be stopped, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this. We are recording. Welcome to episode 132 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of September 18th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not secretly meeting with other podcasters from neighboring states and bribing them to take a dive on the air, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not shocked to find out my co-host was bribing other comic podcasters to make us look better, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com, soon to be thncomic.com. I did not write that. It's happening. It's happening. It's all happening. And mm. if you're not cheating, you're not trying. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Zero, number one, and Buzzkill, number one. After that, we're going to review ten of this week's comics. Faster than Toadies fans can storm the ziggurat during the ludicrous speed round. Then... We'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Ileana Rasputin and Etrigan will practice some new massage moves on us that will reveal the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, we'll put on our V-I-S-O-R-S's Jordy LaForge style when we play. Take a look, it's in a book! When we review Edison Rex, the visor is what he wore. Why didn't you just say visors? Because it's like V-I-S-O-R-S. But was... he never once said that. No, but there were periods by it. So, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to get the point across. But before we get to all the Bill Nye dance trash talk, let's take a moment to book tickets to Sweden, where after a court ruling earlier this week, it is now perfectly legal to masturbate in public as long as it's not directed at anybody. So I couldn't be like... <laughs> Hey, Joe, check this out. I'm doing this at you. I could get arrested for that. Wow. Yeah. I don't see what the big deal is. I masturbate in public all the time. Right? Give me a break. And now let's talk about this week's big news. This week in Hollywood, Deadline has reported a rumor that Peggy Carter, secret agent and the long lost lady love of Steve Rogers, last seen in Captain America, the first Avenger, may be headed to the small screen. Agent Carter, as played by Haley Atwell, will face Zodiac in an all-new short film included with next week's DVD release of Iron Man 3. You may remember that Marvel's past directed DVD short films served as a precursor of sorts to the upcoming Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series that premieres Tuesday. The rumor is in keeping with other reports that state that Marvel is actively pursuing a property with a central female character, Matt. Is the world ready for a female-led period piece set in the golden age of the Marvel Universe? Well, I don't really care about Peggy Carter, you know? And I see him working, like, trying to, like, this is going to go along with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, fine, where we take some characters, superfluous characters from the movies, and give them a TV show. I just don't know how much of that I need. Yeah, but don't you think it would be cool if, like, you could have her interacting with, Who? I don't know, like, the Winter Soldier could show up. Or you think? Yeah, because that was his deal, right? The Russians would just take him out of hibernation I anytime guess. they needed him. I just don't know how much of like. Or you could what, have Golden Age Marvel heroes in there. I don't that know. Will never that appear cool. in a movie. That could be cool. I just don't know how much of what we love about the movies can appear on the TV shows. And without some of that stuff, it could seem kind of neutered. That's all I'm saying. Now, will I watch the show? Totally, and I hope it's good. I just don't know. So you're just saying that they couldn't really do like a yeah. full-on like superhero yes. show. That's what I'm saying. 
Because, you know, you're not going to get Robert Downey Jr. to show up. Yeah, you're not going to get Chris Evans to show up as Captain America. It's just not going to happen. Or Chris Pine, for that matter. Yeah, or Chris Pine, for that matter. You're just not going to get those guys. And not that that's going to completely neuter the show and they couldn't do something cool with it, but the whole time I'm watching it, I'm going to go, man, I wish Cap was here. Or, man, I wish Thor was there, you know? Well, yeah, but if it's set in, like, the 50s... Right. You know, it's post-World War II, so if it's set in the 50s... It could still be fun. It could still be a good time. Yeah. I just hope it's not neutered by that, is what I'm saying. Sure. No, I, I understand that. And as far as, like, giving it to, like, a, a female a lead, like, I think Peggy Carter is a cool character. Oh, I do, too. And I love the idea that, like, she was this capable agent before Cap came along. Yeah. And then after she, after Cap disappeared, she continued to do stuff until... She was Casey's favorite part of the Captain America movie. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, you could maybe explore a little bit where with, like, Sharon Carter, where yeah. her granddaughter or whatever. I don't remember Grand, how they're related. Granddaughter. It's like grandniece. I don't know. In the comics, it's just straight-up granddaughter, I think. Maybe. Yeah. I like the idea of Marvel exploring, uh, of expanding their cinematic universe on television. Like, I don't necessarily need... Like, give me a Heroes for Hire TV show. Sure. You could totally do superpowers on television. It doesn't have to be a cosmic epic. It doesn't and have to be I a don't, piece of shit like Heroes. And I don't need to see the marquee characters. Like, no. I don't read Daredevil hoping Captain America shows up. You know what I'm saying? Although he does. Although he does, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, I, I don't go, man, it's been a while since a guest star appeared. I right. really hope they get another... Big name in this Daredevil book. Right. So, I don't know. I think it's kind of fun. It's all rumor at this point, and we're a long way off from an Agent Carter series if it happens, but I kind of like where Marvel's going with it. Yeah, I hope it's cool. Yeah. In other Marvel Studios news, SFX Magazine reports that Avengers director Joss Whedon has been called in to rework several key scenes in the upcoming film, Thor, The Dark World. In an interview with Thor director Alan Taylor, Taylor revealed, quote, Joss came in to save our lives a couple times. We had a major scene that was not working on the page at all in London, and he basically got airlifted in like a SWAT team or something. That is the quote. <laughs> the former Game of Thrones director also revealed that Whedon stuck around on set for a while, giving a helping hand to two other problematic scenes. Joe, is this a sign of trouble for the Thor sequel? You know... I can see why some people might think that, but actually I think it's a positive sign. I'm with you. Like, I think this is a very positive sign. I think sign. it's a very good sign to see Marvel Studios like operating as like a cohesive group. Yes. And it's not just like, hey, Chris Nolan, do what you're doing in Batman. We're going to do what we're doing over here with Green Lantern. Right. And Paying zero attention. And yeah. in f seven years, we'll see what we have. No, Marvel Studios has got their hands in all of it. Yes. And if Joss Whedon is the guy that orchestrates it, I think that that is wonderful. I love it, too, because it gives a cohesive universe feel to the movies. And I right. like that Alan Taylor is not so much of a diva. It's like, I don't need anyone's help. I'm just sure. going to make a crappy movie. You know, right, like, right, right, said, right. look, this is not working. What do we do? And they brought in a guy that did the same thing on the Avengers movie, basically. They reworked the script. As they were filming it in some instances. Mm -hmm. And I think that's awesome. This is stuff that wasn't necessarily highly publicized at the time. But if you do a little digging, you'll find that Joss Whedon actually had his hand in a lot of Marvel movies. Yeah. That we didn't necessarily know about. Like, he directed the post credit scene to the first Thor, where they show the Cosmic Cube for the first time. Yeah. Did he also write some, like, maybe the Hawkeye scene? 
in Thor. I don't know about but, that. But like he has he has come in. He's to, been around to tweak things and add things. Yeah. on more than one film, he's been the secret brainchild kind of behind all of this. Right, I think. and I think that like Joss Whedon fans know that he is a guy that is skilled at weaving a shared universe with continuity that Definitely. they stick to. Definitely. And I think it's a genius move on Marvel Studios' part yeah. to have him there when they need him to kind of troubleshoot. It just makes everything troubleshoot, a little more right? cohesive, and that's not a bad thing. Who knows? Maybe if DC had done the same thing, Superman doesn't kill Zod in the end, you know? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Superman doesn't tear Zod's head off and crap down his neck in the end. That's my Man of Steel movie. He had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, AMC has announced that a new companion series set in the universe of The Walking Dead will hit the air sometime in 2015. Series co-creator Robert Kirkman says that this series will feature all new characters and locations not seen in the current show or comic book. In an official press release, Kirkman said, quote, After 10 years of writing the comic book series and being so close to the debut of our fourth, and in my opinion, best, season of the TV series, I couldn't be more thrilled about getting the chance to create a new corner of the Walking Dead universe. The opportunity to make a show that isn't tethered by the events of the comic book and is truly a blank page has set my creativity racing. End quote. Now, Matt, do you think Kirkman's raging creativity <laughs> is legit? Or is this just a blatant cash grab on AMC's part? It is a cash grab, but I don't think it is a bad cash grab. I think it's a little of both. Uh, yeah, I think it is a little bit of both. But the thing that makes me happier is Robert Kirkman's writing it. Sure, yeah. And so I'm not worried. Now, the only thing I worry about is, is this going to water down the other show? Is it going to be too much? Well, I, it, interest? I would be worried about it watering down the other show if it was the solo adventures of Tyrese. Right. You know, when no one's looking. Right. <laughs> or, yeah, the the, the, Darryl, the young Daryl Dixon Chronicles. Right, right, right. No, totally. Um, I think that, like, one of the things that I often wonder about when reading The Walking Dead is what the hell is going on outside the state of Georgia? Sure. And so if they are truly, like, going to focus, like, give me a story, like, what's going on in Paris? Yeah, or Texas, or Australia. Or New York City. Or whatever. Right? You know? And I think that that is a fun idea, and yeah. I think there's definitely room for that kind of story. And if Kirkman is attached to it, it's going to be good. What I don't want is just, it's The Walking Dead, but in New York. Right. You know, it, it has to be somehow different. Yeah, like, I agree. That's the big news for this week. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where Joe Patrick is happy to debut his spinoff podcast, The Many Feelings of Man Boy, starring Joe Patrick and his many squishy feelings. It's going to be gross. That's a terrible title. Yeah, he's going to cry through the whole damn thing. I'm workshopping it. <laughs> Every Friday, my favorite hastily thrown together spinoff character, Joe Patrick, Post the question of the week on our new THN web forum. That's right. You heard me correct. Which you can find by clicking the link at TwoHeadedNerd.com. And there you will write your written responses to the question of the week. We're no longer reading written responses on the question of the week podcast. It is going to be an audio only show. That means if one of you calls us this week, it's going to be really damn short. So... <laughs> 
Go to the web forums, sign up, talk comics, talk about the show, and answer the question of the week. Joe Patrick, what do we ask these nerds? This week's question, what is your favorite nerd spinoff of all time? It can be a comic, a TV show, a movie, whatever. A video game, even. Yeah, a video game. We love it when you call us. We need you. We talk about it all the time. We need you to call us now. (laughs) Call us with your answer to the question of the week. You can use Skype. Our Skype handle is two-headed nerd, all one word. Or the Ziggurat direct line, 402-819-4894. If you don't call, there's no show. It's going to be really, really short. And we want your written responses. We're going to directly interact with you on the web boards. It's a better way to do it. We can keep track of who is actually a first-time poster. We can go back and see old questions, stuff like that. It's going to be fun. And it's the place where you guys can go to interact with your fellow listeners. You can start your own conversations. You don't have to wait for us to have something That's to right. talk about. Go to the THN web forum and start a new thread. Right on. Join the conversation. Do it. It's review time on THN where Matt and I haze two of this week's comics to see if they've got the stuff it takes to join the THN fraternity of the Great Horned One. We're not supposed to be speaking about that. It's a see- shh. <laughs> Matt, what did you read this week? This week, I read Buzzkill, number one from Dark Horse. This is written by Donnie Cates and Mark Reznicek, with art by Geoff Shaw. Here's your solicit. Ruben is not your average alcoholic. He's an unstoppable superhero who derives his powers from imbibing massive amounts of alcohol. After all the disasters it's caused in his personal life, he's ready to get clean. Dot, dot, dot. And the city's supervillains couldn't be happier. By the way, I understand their periods, but it's easier to say dot, dot, dot than period, period, period. Dark Horse has been a strange place for superheroes at present. Between their Comics Greatest World relaunch and new titles like Brain Boy and this one, it can be a little confusing as to what exactly the company is going for. Buzzkill does not seem to be part of any larger universe, but it certainly doesn't suffer because of this. Think of this as the story of a Superman analog that gets his strength from drinking booze. And, of course, as any good alcoholic knows, when you get real drunk, you tend to do stupid things. Our main character here just happens to have godlike strength when doing said stupid things. Instead of going for a typical origin story, Kate's and Reznicek who happens to be the drummer for a 90s one-hit wonder, the Toadies. I love the Toadies. And I had to think about it. I was like, were they a one-hit wonder? They were absolutely a one-hit wonder. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to die? <laughs> they do a really nice job showing us Ruben's origin through what could be a story you hear at any AA meeting. In fact, almost the entire issue takes place at an AA meeting, but the other members listening to Ruben's story which is not his real name, by the way, have no idea that he's actually a superhero. It's only through the incredible art of Geoff, who got his start at Xenoscope. What? Yeah. That we see what actually happened in Ruben's past when he gets drunk. They do a fantastic job of writing the story just vaguely enough that it could be any alcoholic telling the story. You know, like, when it started... In high school, when, like, the upperclassmen used to get him real drunk, you know, and he felt kind of weird. And then in college, you know, he was getting hazed into a fraternity and had to drink a bunch. And, like, something happened, you know. And right. we know it was bad, but they don't exactly show us. And anybody listening to it would be like, oh, man, I can relate, brother. They don't happen to know that when he gets drunk, he turns into the Incredible <laughs> that Hulk. he survived the car crash that killed his friends because right. he's indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
While he's telling this story to the support group, Shaw does an amazing job illustrating the real story, showing readers bits and pieces of the main character's real powers, but also not giving us the whole story. Just these little moments where we go, ooh, (laughs) that doesn't look good. Shaw has this really, really cool, loose, and gritty style with hard lines and really wild crosshatch that give this comic a very kinetic and real-world feel. There's one panel of Ruben imagining that he's punching one of the members of the AA meeting's head clean off that really impressed me. He's got this Sean Phillips-type style with a... Definitely an animator's perspective that See, really works here. You, I saw that you wrote that uh, in your review. I met and- Sean Murphy. Okay. I met Sean Murphy. All right, all right. He's got this Sean Murphy type style with an animator's perspective. Joe wrote in a couple notes that he saw Trad Moore in there, too. Yeah, I totally agree. I yeah. didn't even think about that. I think he does what Trad Moore does better, personally. Mm. This could have been another flawed Superman story, but Kate and Reznicek give the comic a real soul. And just as they sell you on the touchy, feely, real-world part of the comic, they rip you right back into this ridiculous superhero element. There's even, like, a really cool Batman analog that's also on drugs. And there's a great line where the the Batman character is like, Hey, man, I realize what you're doing. I know it's hard, and we're all really proud of you. And he he takes off, and Ruben is like, Whatever. That dude's on tons of painkillers all day, every day. Nobody (laughs) says to him. <laughs> I, I can't wait to read more of this. I'm giving it a buy it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to add. I loved this, and I actually was expecting very little. Yeah, I agree. And Like, the premise, I was just like, oh, God, he's uh, he's a loser that gets drunk and has superpowers. It could no, be really so easily much mishandled. Yeah. It's so much different than my first impression. Add in the whole, you know, musician-turned-writer thing, and I was like, ugh. Yeah. That tends to make my head melt, too. But it was really wonderful. It was. It was. And uh, it's only a four-issue mini, and I'm kind of bummed about it. This could have come off as, like, damn the unharmable at Avatar, which is another kind of throwaway, ridiculous story of an invulnerable guy who's just a piece of crap. But this is actually a really cool, yeah. flawed character. And Ruben, like, has a, shows a sincere desire to do better. Yeah. To get better. But at the same time, he's got that typical dialogue of like, whatever, man. I don't need this. Yeah. I'm not like you this guys. This is a bunch of crap. I'm, you guys are losers. Right. You know? And he slowly realizes, uh, I'm a loser too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, man, it was very, very well done. Yeah. And then you, when you splice in the outrageous comic book elements. Yeah. Uh, like I, the final page. No, 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 don't. don't I'm not going to give anything away, but it definitely pulls you yeah. right back into the uh, superhero but it's element. So, and you're just like, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just very, very excited to see where this yeah. is going. I'm giving it a huge buy it as well. Good on you, Mark Resnicek. I, I mean, I don't know how much the, the division of labor here, but I was expecting nothing, and they turned out a very good product. Yeah. Way to go. Joe, what'd you read this week? This week, I'm reviewing Zero Number One from Image Comics, written by Ailes Cott. I'm just going with that. Sure. With art by Michael Walsh and colors by Jordi Belair. I don't know what else it could be. A-L-E-S-K-O-T. Coat. Ailes Coat. Okay, Coat. I don't know. He British, I think. Here's just a listen. Saving the world, one murder at a time. Edward Zero is the perfect execution machine, a spy who breaks the rules to get things done. When a stolen device appears in the center of a long-running conflict, Zero comes to retrieve it. The problem is, the device is inside a living, breathing, biomodified terrorist. Gross. 
and there's an entire army after it. I said it last week, I'm not really an Aleskot fan, at least I wasn't, until I read Zero Number One. This is the story of Edward Zero, a spy that may not have any business being in the field, and I was drawn to it from the second I saw the cover. It's such a well-designed looking book. Yeah. That if you just take a second to flip through it without really focusing on the details, the cover is amazing, and the story goes all the way up to the very last page. I'm talking like the inside back cover. And the credits are on the back. Like, nothing is wasted. It's a really good package. Reminded me of um, Who is Jake Ellis very much yeah, yeah, in design. For sure. Cot doesn't pull any punches as Zero plays both sides of a conflict to fulfill his mission. Zero is calculating and efficient but not without conscience. So when innocents get caught in the crossfire, Zero risks his mission and his career to make things right. Cot's story is complex and rewarding, though there's an awkward sex scene in the middle that caught me off guard. Not that, not that normally I'm against that sort of thing. It's just, like, why is it here? Well, we all think sex is gross. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I kind of see what he was going for. Like, it's a moment of passion between two characters. I yeah, it was really weirdly yeah, placed. Like, these characters are kind of forced together into a tense situation, and I get it. I just, it just seemed out of place in the context of the larger story. The art by Michael Walsh is wonderful. He's got a style that's not quite minimalist, but not quite realistic. Yeah. That really works. The, the kind of messiness of his art suits the story very well. And he does an especially good job illustrating the fight between the two enhanced soldiers and getting the savagery of their battle across. The colors by Jordi Belair are stunning. More and more I find myself preferring the kind of flat color palette found in books like this one and Hawkeye, for example. The modern computer bedazzled look found on most recent titles, while, while it has its place, it just would not work here. And Belair's choice of palette is a really perfect complement to the art. All in all, I think that this is an issue that bears rereading. Uh, it is very complex, and I needed to look at it more than once before I fully like, appreciated everything that was happening. I don't normally do that. I have a hard enough time getting my books read once as it is, but I know I got a lot more out of it upon taking a second look. This turned out to be a compelling, gritty spy comic with a sci-fi bent, and it's off to a great start. Huge buy it. Yeah, me too. I didn't know what to expect here because, like you, the only real Al's Cot experience I had was with Suicide Squad, which I did not particularly care. But for. we already did not care. We like, already, we already care weren't for it. digging but those characters. He also was wasn't doing the book any favors there. Sure. Now, reading this, you've got to wonder how much of that is his fault. Right, exactly. I mean, and as I read this, I went, wow, this guy's really good. I honestly was thinking to myself, this would be an awesome Deathstroke story. Like, this could be a kick-ass Deathstroke story. And if they had done this with that character, super gritty, violent, Deathstroke, doing the job, you know, like, making decisions that nobody wants to make, because that's what that guy does. It would have worked so much better than the crap that we got. Yeah. This was a very well-written, very well-drawn, very interesting story. It also reminded me a lot of, and I can't remember which issue it was of Global Frequency, where the two guys were fighting for the entire issue and just destroying each other. Yeah. And yeah, it turned yeah. out that, like, 
they were both dating the same girl and one of them stole or borrowed this book on like how to turn pain off in your brain <laughs> or something like that. It was so violent and the fight scenes were just disgusting but really well done. And I loved this. It was mean. It was nasty. There was a weird sex scene. There was full frontal dickitude. But, <laughs> you know, and it appeared on, to be like on wieners. uncircumcised too. It's kind of, oh God. Hey, that's <laughs> It happens. I suppose. I suppose. But yeah, huge buy it for me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn uh, because like I've looked at some of Ailes Cott's other work outside of Suicide Squad, and it's super, super bizarre. Mm-hmm. Like Wild Children, uh, that thing he did with Riley Rosmo, uh, and then he did a miniseries called Change. Both of those are at Image, and they're just super weird. I think he's just... And like, I uh, couldn't get into him, but this... I think he's a younger writer that's finding his feet. Yeah, this, and this was just... really coming along. He killed it here. Yeah, this was an amazing read. So that is a double buy it for both Buzzkill number one and for Zero number one, of course. We want to know what you CIA spooks and drunk superhumans thought of these comics. So be sure to hit us with your inebriated ramblings over at the THN forums which you can find by clicking the forum button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. It could not be easier. It's so easy. Sign up now. Do it. Speed isn't always about moving real fast. That's why this week, Joe and I are conducting a little experiment. We invited two of our favorite teleporters to jump us around the world in a winner-take-all teleport race. So join us now as I ride piggyback on the sexy six-armed spiral and Joe hugs Cyborg as we race across the globe while reviewing ten of this week's comics during the ludicrous speed round! You couldn't come up with two better teleporters than Spiral and Cyborg? I think Spiral is super sexy and I just thought it was funny that you were hugging a big black dude. Ludicrous speed! Go! All new executive assistant Iris, number one from Aspen. That title is terrible. It is terrible, but they got all new in it, so it must be great. Brian Buccioletto comes on as writer for the further adventures of Iris, who knows how to do her job and doesn't play well with others. I haven't followed this series too closely, but I feel like I get the gist of it, and this wasn't bad. The art by Pascal Qualano is predictably Michael Turner-ish, and he's a bit lazy with his backgrounds, but he's not terrible. This is another good entry in the Aspen-empowered female hero line, but it's not great. It's also not bad. I can only give it a skim it. I mean, it is what it is. Let's not get ourselves. Kiss me, Satan! Number one from Dark Horse. I say that every night before I go to bed. (laughs) This is a new horror action series by Victor Gichler and Juan Ferreira about a fallen angel trying to work his way back into God's good graces by acting as a heavenly mercenary. I wasn't expecting much because I have not been a fan of Gishler's past work. The dude loves writing about vampires, I'll tell you that much. This was totally great. It was totally great. The art by Ferreira is amazing, and he manages to squeeze in a fun cameo from the characters of his last series, Colder. This was a ton of fun. Buy it. Had he done something like this with the vampire stuff they did at Marvel, I would still be reading it today. It's not a vampire book. It's werewolf. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, you know what? You know what I mean? Yeah. This, it was like a southern gothic, yeah, uh, horror action book. It's what True Blood. It's True Blood without all the weird boobs and softcore porn. Yeah. Crossed 2013 special from Avatar. X Men Legacy writer Simon Spurrier writes his tale of Crossed in Australia, and I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised. 
Here we see a fat... What a deviant. Here we see a fat, disgusting trucker that's found he's perfectly suited for survival in the crossed world. And when he meets a real survivalist and his dependent girlfriend, he's more than happy to show them what survival really means. It's mean, it's disgusting, it's violent, feel-bad comics as only Cross can deliver. I dug the hell out of this. It was really well-written. Buy it. I hate it. Thor, God of Thunder, number 13 from Marvel. Ron Garney joins Jason Aaron for the return of Malekith the Accursed just in time for the upcoming movie. I loved the recap page that explained everything you need to know about Norse mythology in a few sentences. Garney's art was really good, especially when paired with color artist Yves Sforchina. Ive. Ive <laughs> Sforchina. Yeah, I'm saying that's, that's a Russian business. If you aren't reading Thor, you are a you are. It's the best damn Thor comics ever written. Buy it. Superior Spider-Man number 18 from Marvel. Writer Dan Slott has gone off of his rocker writing this story with Spider-Man 2099 guest starring. And wow, did he do his homework. He even used all the dumb future slang that Spidey 2099 threw around like, shocking and jam it. <laughs> what the shock? I don't give two shocks what you think, jam it. You know? <laughs> Artist Ryan Stegman has hit his stride here and makes this story look absolutely fantastic. Spider-Man has never been this fun. I, I think I'm reading the best Spidey stories I've ever read, and Peter Parker has nothing to do with them. I love this book. Buy it. Quit being a jerk and buy it. Justice League of America, 7.3 Shadow Thief. Talk about dumb titles. <laughs> Tom DeFalco scripts this issue detailing the ridiculously complicated and melodramatic origin of the new Shadow Thief, who is a rogue female Mossad agent that hates aliens because the Daemonites killed her family with a virus but also happened to have a super-powered shadow suit that saved her from certain death but was really made by an extra-dimensional race of mysterious shadow beings that... Ah! <laughs> Leave it! <laughs> Good art by Chad Harden. That is though. the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mega Man number 29 from Archie Comics. Archie Comics starts a new storyline for Mega Man here called Blackout, written by Ian Flynn, with art by Ryan Jampole, whose name is way too fun to say. If you've got little guys that are into video games, or you're a classic video game geek that wants to read comics with your little guys, Mega Man's right up your alley. The art is fun, the story is fun, all your favorite robots is there. This is a really good comic. I'm saying buy it. Action Comics 23.3, Lex Luthor from DC. This Lex solo story gets him from the incarcerated convict of past Superman issues to the newly pardoned businessman from Forever Evil number one. It does not really jive with the events of Superman Unshankled, where Lex busts out of prison, but let's not think about that too much. Charles Soule does a great job getting Lex back to what made him such a fun character in his late 80s, mid-90s, ruthless businessman incarnation. I like this a lot. Where he should be. He's yes. not the cackling madman. He's a brilliant villain. I, I, like, it when he's, I like it when he's a little bit of both. Uh, I loved it. Buy it. Batman the Dark Knight number 23.3, Clayface from DC. Detective Comics and true writer John Lehman writes this short Clayface story. I really like the way Cliff Richards draws Clayface here, but there isn't a whole lot to glom onto. It's not bad. It definitely doesn't have any background for Clayface, so we don't learn anything about him. It's more just like a Clayface one-shot. I don't know. Skim it? You don't need this. Swamp Thing 23.1, Arcane from DC. I have not been reading Charles Soule's Swamp Thing, but this issue made me wish I had been. I'm not 100% aware of everything that's going on with some of the characters, but Soule was able to tell an accessible and really creepy story 
featuring the origin of Anton Arcane with beautiful, beautiful, terrifying, disgusting art by Jesus Sayez. Huge buy it. Yeah. Charles Soul's Swamp Thing has been really good. I am keeping up on it. I don't love this version of Arcane, but I do love the book and they're doing a good job. This issue was great. Kadooch! That is your ludicrous speed round. And Kadooch is the sound of Ruben, or whatever his real name is, punching the head off his AA sponsor as seen in this week's issue of Buzzkill number one. Join us now in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where uh, our good friends Ilyana Rasputin and Etrigan the Demon are per, uh, are practicing their side hobby of Ashiatsu, the massage art of walking on one's back. Oh, that's nice. On our aching muscles. Oh, that's it. As Ilyana uses her perfect porcelain Russian doll feet to work the knots out of Matt's shoulders. Atrigan's gnarled, demonic, clawed toes dig deep into my lower back and a little whispered magic combined with a release of lactic acid has revealed to us the secrets of... (laughs) (laughs) Next week's comics... He's a big guy. He needs a little more pressure. Matt, what's with your weird foot fetish and what are you excited to read next week? It's Russian girls only. I don't know why. Ooh, next week I'm excited for Sex Criminals, number one, from Image Comics, written by Matt Fraction, with art by Chip Zadarsky. Zadarsky. Right? ZD. That's how you gotta do that. Here to solicit a sex comedy for comics! Susie's a normal girl with an extraordinary ability. When she has sex, she stops time. One night she meets John, who has the same gift. And so they do what any other sex-having, time-stopping couple would do. They rob banks! <laughs> Matt Fraction, great with coming up with ideas like this. I really like Chip Zdarsky's work as well. I think this is going to be fun, naughty. I think it's going to be a good time. Pick this one up. Joe Patrick. Ooh, what are you reading next week? Uh, oh, my pick for next week is East of West number 6 from Image Comics, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Nick Dragoda. Here's your solicit. The work of the Chosen is revealed as the Ranger is recruited to hunt down and kill death. Whoa. Yeah. I just got caught up on East of West. It's I was way behind. Totally awesome. And now I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I need to know what happens next. And this is a great, great series. I love Jonathan Nickman's creator-owned work. Oh, yeah fun stuff. That exfoliation you're getting from those weird orange reptile feet is really ah! impressive. <laughs> the trade of the week next week goes to Sintitulo, written and drawn by Cameron Stewart. Sintitulo. <laughs> Here's your solicit. Following the death of his grandfather, young Alex McKay discovers a mysterious photograph in the old man's belongings that sets him on an adventure like no other where dreams and reality merge. Family secrets are laid bare, and lives are irrevocably altered. Cameron Stewart, total badass, worked on a bunch of stuff that Joe and I both like a lot. I think this is going to be really, really cool. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's a, it's something he published uh, as like single, as like single, not single panel, but like uh, it was a web comic. Yeah, like single page, like a week or a month web comic for a while. It's really good. Beautiful stuff. 
Of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to. So work out those knotted up muscles and let us know what you're excited for next week at the THN Forums. Uh, I nice. have the weirdest boner. <laughs>in a while joe and i prove that we can focus on a book with more than 22 pages in a little segment we like to call take a look it's in a book this month we're taking a good look at edison rex volume one this is the first print volume of the digital series from monkey brain comics by chris roberson and dennis culver here's your solicit Edison Rex is the smartest man in the world, a criminal genius, and the arch-nemesis of the world's greatest protector, Valiant. Having dedicated his life to defeating Valiant and proving once and for all that he is a menace to humanity and not a hero, what will Edison do once he finally succeeds? And with Valiant out of the way, who will be left to protect the Earth? I should say that this is printed by IDW. Matt, I thought this was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I thought it had this very Venture Brothers type feel to it. And I thought of the Venture Brothers because much like what the Venture Brothers does, strip mining 70s culture and making fun of it. Yeah. Chris Roberson goes through pretty much every comic book analog you can possibly think of here, for villains anyway, and just makes fun of it and plugs it in and has a good time with it. The main character, Edison Rex is obviously a Lex Luthor analog. Yeah. The character that he bests in the first, like, four pages of the issue one is obviously a Superman-type character. And they just have a ton of fun with it from there. This is what if Lex Luthor beat Superman and decided, oh, crap, now I guess I have to save the Earth every time it's in trouble. And he's right. really good at it. Really good at it, but and nobody, nobody trusts believes him. him. Right? They're all like, "Villain Edison Rex showed up and got in a fight with this monster that was destroying the city and caused a whole bunch of damage. What a jerk!" And he's like, "There would you would have destroyed the city had I not stopped." <laughs> and the art here very cartoony. Uh, tell me the guy's name again. Dennis Culver. Dennis Culver. Wait, again, gave me this very Venture Brothers feel. It was very animated looking. It's very classic. Very cartoony. Um, you know, it looks it looks a lot like Super Friends. Yeah. You know, and not 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 super cartoony, but um, kind of in that vein, like Alex Toth. Kind Absolutely. Of. Gives the book a very lighthearted sort of Saturday morning cartoon feel, mm-hmm. but there actually is some like nasty supervillain stuff still going on here. And I love the characters that they developed here. Absolutely loved them. Edison Rex has this bodyguard who is this alien sort of Orion type character. She's like a war machine with like a She's like a big Barda. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. of like Big Barda with a glowing sword who is just like, well, why save the Earth when we could just take it over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole time. It's like, trust me. You know, and she has a sworn allegiance to him. They meet this caterpillar type character named larva which is sort of like a female modok it's like yeah it's like a modok 
and and she's always hitting on him yeah he sort of like (laughs) plucks her from the evil like group that she works for and he's like hey these guys are total jerks to you come work for me bring all your henchmen and i'll give you all 401ks and health plans and they're all like yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that sounds pretty good, actually. And they just sort of ditched like the evil. I think they were called Hive or something like that, or Hornet. Hornet, the group they were working for, which very much reminded me of the Monarch and all his like moth henchmen and stuff. Sure, it, it's just fun. Uh, what's the name of the chick with the brain? Sarabella. Sarabella. That's right. Who was like a genius. Who had replaced parts of her body? She's just a like human brain parts, and a robot body, and yeah. to the point now where the only thing left is her brain, basically sitting in fluid inside this super powerful robot body. And again, she's a villain that Edson Rex goes and and basically says, "Look, we got to save the Earth. I need your help. You're the only one I trust to do it." And she's like, eh, "I'm not doing anything else. Let's go for it." <laughs> well, no, uh, no, uh, she was being held prisoner. They find out that the... Uh, yeah, by the good guy. Yeah, well, yeah. They find out that she was, like, basically powering the Fortress of Solitude, More essentially. Or less. More or less. And, yeah, Edison Rex frees her and, and puts her to work. But, yeah, it's... At first, I thought that it was very simple, right? It is. Uh, and it is simple, like, in the telling. It, it's not a complicated read. But what makes it kind of exceptional is that it's very self-aware. Yeah. It's it's very much poking fun at everything we've seen in any superhero trope. You've got alternate versions of the character from other yeah. worlds, like Platypus Rex. <laughs> well, poking, like, not necessarily poking fun, but having fun. Yeah. It kind of embraces them, and and, and yeah, they have a little bit of fun with it. But it's done in a loving way, you right. know, and the whole back of the book is filled with pages and pages of handbook entries. Yeah, very much like in done the style. Up just like the Marvel handbook. Yeah. And they're they're great. They're fun as hell. And yeah. like they had to take the time to write all this. It's a lot of it's a lot of material in this book. Now the book is nineteen ninety nine, and if you had read these digitally, they'd be ninety nine cents a piece. For six chapters. And if you're doing the math, you can see that that is a very wide discrepancy. Kind of a bummer. But, in my opinion, uh, they do offer all this extra stuff in the back that I, yes. don't no- I don't necessarily think you can see online. I don't think you can. I'm not seeing it. I'm on the Monkey Brain site right now, and I don't... It's not... doesn't say that any of that stuff is in there. Um, it's got a secret... Uh, it's got a thing in the back. It's got all the handbook pages, and then it's got a second section of handbook pages written by... The villainous female version of Edison Rex <laughs> from the alternate universe, and then it's got like like Hostess fruit pie parody ads yeah. and all kinds of stuff in here. Is it worth twenty bucks? I think so. I think it's worth twenty bucks if you consider it supporting a company that's putting out good material. I'll go beyond that. IDW does a fantastic job on their trade paperbacks, and this is a beautiful trade paperback yeah it's a good looking printed on really nice heavy stock paper they've got sort of like that raised almost like animation cell type cover with the characters on it it looks really good it's a very high quality trade paperback sure but i mean if this were if marvel had put out a six issue compilation of their infinite comics from online that they charge a dollar for there yeah and said the book version's 20 bucks i'd say ha ha rip off right but like monkey brain 
you know, they, they put out a great product online for not a lot of money. Yeah. And I think if you want to support a company that has a, a new take on, on an existing genre that's doing a lot of fun stuff, this is a great product, and they do add value to it. And maybe I, you're just not into reading digital comics. Sure. Some people need to hold the book. I get that. And it's not like they're digital comics, yes, but it's not like they it didn't feel like they were any shorter. No, not at all. They're full length. Not at all. And so I think that this is worth the 20 bucks. I'm giving it a buy it. I'm giving it a buy it as well. Just on the basis, it's a lot of fun. Obviously, Chris Roberson grew up reading 80s comics and watching 80s cartoons, and it definitely shows in the feel of this. Great time, accessible to everybody. You could read this with your kids if you wanted to. There's really nothing offensive or violent going on, and I think they would just dig it as a superhero I mean, story. it's violent, but it's cartoony. Yeah, definitely cartoon violence. A lot of fun here. Huge buy it for me as well. All right. Be sure to let us know what you thought about Edison Rex over at the THN forums in our Take a Look, It's in a Book subthread. And if you're reading, or whatever. If you're reading some other graphic novel or trade paperback you want to talk about, that's a good place to talk about it there. Yeah. Fun. Man, you see how it works? <laughs> and if there is a trade paperback or original graphic novel you'd like to hear us review, shoot us an email with the subject line, Take a Look. It's just that damn easy. Sort of, sort of break it break it down like this and that is it for the public auto manipulation episode of THN if you enjoy listening to two nerds inject wiener jokes into your comics you can wow that sounds even more perverted than I meant it to you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher where you can give the show a star rating a written review or a Stitcher thumbs up and help us to connect with other potential listeners show us your true potential thanks to this week's donor Aaron Onkin and if you'd like to help keep us in international flights and KY why jelly? Oh, because we're going to Sweden. Going to fly to Sweden. You can off. make <laughs> you can make your donation. We're not going to direct it at anybody though. It's just generic masturbation. <laughs> you can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, which is at twoheadednerd, our email twoheadednerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel thn comicast. Our Skype handle, Two at a Nerd, which is all one word, and our direct ziggurat phone number, 402-819-4894, where you can call us with your Ask a Nerd questions, or ask the comic pushers what you should be reading, or ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, silk-screened, whatever. And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. This is your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show or just rap about comics, and there's even badges for loyal cult members. So get in there and start posting today! Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to keep up with all the THN hip-hop happenings. And if you want to hear your answers to the question of the week along with our own, be sure to check out the Two-Headed Nerd Answer of the Week podcast. If you're already subscribing to this show, you don't need to do anything! It will just magically show up in your feed every Wednesday. And it will be mercifully short if you don't call. That's right. Next week, it's time for another THN fifth week event. We've busted out the Halloween decorations here at the Ziggurat, and we've got ghosts and goblins on the brain, and we're counting down our top five 
favorite supernatural character. Even though it will still technically be September. Yeah, but you know, close enough. Before we go, a weekly shout out goes to John from the Burt Wieners podcast and Shonix from the Signed In podcast. Word to you homies for driving in to hang with us last weekend and talk some serious comic smack. I think they're still upset about how loud we were screaming in the Legend Comics and Coffee coffee shop. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the sound of the two-headed nerd signing off. Booyah.